Welcome everyone to our episode 33 of our season 2. This is Cynthia Concordia from Dream to Rise. Navigating the wilderness of lost faith and ultimately discovering the profound healing and love of Christ. This story is a testament to the indomitable spirit that rises from adversity finding its way back to grace with newfound strength and purpose. Our special guest, Mike Buchanan, a freelance writer and speaker whose main mission is to lead each one to Jesus, will share with us his experience from his sacred wounds to divine discovery. Let us all welcome Mike Buchanan. For this, welcome to our um, next episode for our Dream to Rise. Uh, and this is Cynthia Concordia, your host. And I have here a special guest who is a freelance writer who has written over 200 poems and 60 non-poetic pieces over the past 40 years. Wow. His writing has appeared in the Christian periodicals such as Faith on Every Corner magazine and Faith Field Family magazine. He writes from personal experience with the primary mission of pointing people to Jesus. He wants to encourage them in their daily lives and to remind them this world is not their permanent home. He and his wife, Darlene, have been married for 13 years and currently live outside of Phoenix, Arizona. He is the bonus dad for two and people of three. For uh, You know what? For more information, I will share with you how you will get in touch with him, but I would like to introduce to you our special guest, Mike Buchanan. Mike, welcome, welcome to our Dream to Rise podcast. Thank you, Cynthia. Um, I've been looking forward to this for, for a while now. Yes, and uh, I'm sure your message, your story will be an inspiration to those listening, uh, to our listeners. And... Um, I really would love to. It's an honor to have you, my dear, my well, Mike. <laughs> well, I will be. I will be honest with you. This is my first one. I am a little bit hesitant. Um, you asked me to share my story, so my story starts like all stories. It starts at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, I was born with a cleft lip and palate. So, if you or your listeners are not familiar with that, it means essentially that when I was born, my lip and my palate were split. And so that led to me having roughly two dozen surgeries of different types, two different two dozen surgeries or procedures between the time I was born and the time I was 18. So what that did is that led to a lot of um, being picked on as a child and uh, my mom was always there for me. My dad was in the military. We did lose my dad at 11 to cancer. We had lost his mom two years previously. We had lost my mom's mom two years previous to that, all the cancer. 
So by the time I was 11, not only did I have a lot of knowledge of medical stuff for me personally, but I had way too much knowledge of, of cancer. So what it did for me, Cynthia, was it forced me to either stay and let people pick on me and think less of me, or, or it forced me to do something different. And so what I did was I threw myself into my studies. And I was a very applied student. Let me say that so that I'm not tooting my own horn because I don't want to do that. But at 13, my mom and my little sister and I moved to Colorado to be with my older brother who had joined the Army. And in September of 13, in front of a Dunkin' Donuts, I'll leave out some parts just for brevity, but in front of a Dunkin' Donuts in September of 1979, my brother shared the good news of Jesus with my mom, my sister, and myself. And we accepted Jesus as our Savior. We'd grown up in a Baptist church in, in the South, but we hadn't made that decision for ourselves to, to have Jesus forgive us of our sins. And so we attended a Christian school. So this is one of those things that I will probably, like I said, I'm not trying to toot my own horn. It's just one of those oddities. I went to a Christian school, Cynthia, and I graduated first in my class. And this is the oddity part of it, Cynthia. I graduated last in my class. I was the only person in my class in 1984. That's how small our school was. Now, what had happened is mom was raising us as a single mom. She never remarried after dad died. But I saw some things in that church that were not consistent with what I knew about Christianity. The first book I ever read, and this will be important a little bit later, the first book in the Bible that I ever remember reading as a Christian was a book of Revelation. And when one of the Christian school teachers saw me reading that, she was kind of taken aback. She's like, what are you reading? I'm like, I'm reading the book of Revelation. She said, why? I said, because I don't know how it turns out. And so for 50, 44 years now, I've had a fascination with the end times. But things were not what they should have been at this Christian school in this church. So I said that I was... Um, my graduating class in 1984, but Cynthia, right around the midpoint of my senior year, our church and our school were torn apart. Mm -hmm. Our vice principal molested and impregnated one of our 14-year-old students. Oh and so I spent essentially the second part of my senior year as basically as an 18-year-old, mind you, as acting vice principal in the Christian school. You were acting I, vice principal? Yes, ma'am. Okay. I couldn't do anything for myself and my sister, but I basically didn't answer to anybody else in that school. That's, nice. and that's way too much power for an 18-year-old, especially this 18-year-old, to be honest. The other thing that I discovered was that that church was very judgmental. Um, I had had some rebellion problems with my mom. Like I said, dad had died at 11 and mom was doing the best she could. But because of my 
medical issues, she spoiled me. I'm just being honest with you. And sometimes I took that, took advantage of it and made life on my sister and brother and those around me hard. Uh -huh. um, and what happened, and I, I believed for a while that I didn't have any emotions. I believed I was almost like a robot or like I didn't care about anybody. I had, a, I had one very good friend. He's still probably my best friend to this day. But what I discovered at 21 was that I had emotions. They were just all bad for the most part. And so at 18, the morning of my 18th birthday, this is how bad it was. I had two surgeries my senior year. And at the same time, a very dear friend of ours was had a four-year-old who was dying of cancer. And I spent the birth the morning of my 18th birthday at this four-year-old's funeral. And I was just annoyed to have been there on my 18th birthday, to be honest with you. But what came out of that, talking about our journey, talking about changes and whatnot, Cynthia, that was where I started writing. Because I had to apologize to this person. And I did it through writing. And that was the first thing that I ever wrote was as an 18-year-old in roughly September, October of 1984. I did some things over the next couple of years that I won't get into. Um, some of it was pretty violent. Um, and some of it was just bad. And But my thought was after what the vice principal had done in the Christian school, I thought, you know, if that's what Christians can do and, and still be Christians, I thought, you know, I'm not having nearly enough fun. My mom and I ended up in San Antonio, Texas with the mom of the four-year-old and her then boyfriend. And on December 31st, 1986, the military pulled all four of my wisdom teeth for me. We put my mom and the man's girlfriend on a bus from San Antonio back to Colorado Springs, Colorado. Mm -hmm. And the boyfriend said, I'm going to stop at a liquor store and get something to drink to celebrate New Year's. Do you want anything? All right. Mm -hmm. Drinking age at that point was 21. But I had discovered already that if I drank the wine cooler fast enough, I would develop a little bit of a buzz. Mm -hmm. And I don't say this for any reason other than to tell you what happened that night. Cynthia, I took painkillers. I was a, I was five foot eleven at the time and 110 pounds. All right. I'm 190 pounds now. Mm -hmm. But for about eight years, I didn't put on one pound. It drove my mom crazy because she wanted her son to to eat she was afraid constantly afraid i was malnourished mm -hmm. um but i was five foot eleven 110 pounds in san antonio trying to go to school at university of texas at san antonio but i drank four wine coolers and i took my pain medicine when i went to sleep mm. and i woke up the next morning cynthia and i looked around at the four empty bottles and a bottle of pain medicine. And I went, wait a minute, how'd that happen? 
Cynthia took me more time to tell you that story than it did for me to drink those four wine coolers. Mm-hmm. And I knew enough about medicine to go, I'm pretty sure I should not be away. I should be in a hospital or something worse. As I ingested way too much alcohol, even though it wasn't like lethal alcohol, but I should have been sick. And what happened, Cynthia, was as sure as I can hear you, as sure as I know I'm talking to you, I didn't hear an audible voice, but I had this conversation. And the conversation went something like this. Hey, let's talk about your life. I went, okay, I'm comfortable with that. And I heard this voice say, why don't you tell me what you've done in your life? And I would say, well, I survived all those surgeries. I heard this voice say, did you really? Uh, well, no, you helped. And I knew I was talking to the Lord. He said, okay, you're right. I helped you survive all those surgeries. And I said, well, I did really good at school. And he said, did you really? I said, no, you helped that too. I said, look around this room. Why do you think you're not puking butts out? Or why do you think you're not unconscious waiting on that other dude to find you laying here passed out? I said, ah, I didn't do that either, did I? He said, no. He said, do you want to come back to me? And I was alone. I didn't know anybody else in San Antonio, Cynthia. My mom was back in Colorado Springs. I didn't have a job. I was using my dad's VA to pay for college. And I didn't know what my next steps were. I wasn't going to, I sure as heck was not going to church. I'd been burnt too bad from that last one. I wanted nothing to do with church. But when when the Lord said, do you want to come back to me? I said, I absolutely do. I said, because otherwise I am going to die. I knew that as sure as I know I'm talking to you. I said, if you will take me back, I absolutely have to come back to you. And so on January 1, 1987, I came back to the Lord and so I'm still by myself. The dude I'm with is not, you know, a is not living out as a Christian should. I'm not saying he's not a Christian. He's just he was in the same boat I was. Right? We all want to live for the Lord if we're Christians and we were just struggling. Neither one of us were in church, neither one of us had any kind of support system. We'd both been to the same church and seen the same sort of crap if you'll pardon that theological word. but And so I'm like, okay, now what do I do? So I started praying and reading the Bible like I had never done before in that Christian school or anywhere else. And I reached out to a friend of mine in Colorado Springs, and I said, what do I do now? He said, Mike, he said, you know what you have to do. I said, that's not going to happen He said, Mike, you have to find a church. Otherwise, you're going to be right back in the same boat. I said, I can't. I said, you know what happened in that school? You know what happened to me? You know as well as anybody. You know what kind of person I was for the last three years after I graduated. You know I cannot go back into a church. I said, the church will burn. People will stone me as soon as I set foot in that church. I said, I can't do it. It, It's impossible. He said, promise me you'll go to a church. At least try it. He was my second best friend in the world at that time. I said, I'll try it. I'll try it. 
Cynthia, at the end of my block, it's a country or not country block, but it was a rural neighborhood block in, in San Antonio. And at the end of that block, there's a small church, Windsor Park Assembly of God. And that church had been there for the four or five, three or four months that we lived there. It hadn't moved, it hadn't sprung up overnight, it had always been there. I walked by it to the convenience store every now and then. And so I thought, I know what I'll do. I'll walk down there on a weekday. It's too small for anybody to possibly be there on a weekday. Nobody's going to be there. I can tell my friend, I knocked on the door, man. Nobody answered. I'm done. Me and Jesus will do this. I'll read and I'll pray. I'll be cool. I knocked on this door on a, I think that was a Wednesday or Thursday morning. I don't remember. I knocked on this door and I hear this vacuum. I'm like, well, nobody's going to hear me over the vacuum. Leave it a minute. I knocked one more time and I turned to walk away. All of a sudden, the door behind me opens. And this elderly man opens the door. I'm like, oh, no. He's like, can I help you? I'm like, uh, yeah, I was just kind of wondering when your church service is. He told me it was Sunday. I said, okay, I'll be back Sunday. And uh, I went back Sunday. Cynthia, the dude pushing the vacuum, was the pastor. That's how small that church was. The pastor was the janitor. Uh-huh. Long story short on San Antonio, these people didn't know me from Adam. I could have been a serial killer. I almost did kill somebody at one point, but that's the darkest they ever became. But they didn't know Mike from Adam. They just knew Jesus, and they loved Mike. And for four to six weeks, they loved Mike, and they provided for Mike when Mike needed it. And they saved Mike's life physically. And that was in 1997. And that helped pull me out of a bubble. And they're the Jesus saved me spiritually, but if it wouldn't have been for that church, you and I are not having this conversation. Because what happened in the meantime of all that is the dude's girlfriend came back down. And they decided I had lent them money when we went to San Antonio out of my um, GI Bill and said, look, I'm not going to work. I'm just going to go to school. Can I just pay you a lump sum? And they said, yes. All of a sudden, when I became a Christian, the devil said, that doesn't work for me anymore. I need to, I need to put persecution on you. And they changed the um, agreement. And they said, you need to find a job within a month or we're throwing you out. So I ended up moving back to Colorado Springs and uh, found a church that I went to for a number of years. Uh, fast forward 23 years, I went to dinner with a friend, was not looking for dating was not looking for a wife, and she said, Mike, she said, when you find a woman, she's going to be more than you can ever ask or imagine. I said, okay, thanks, appreciate that. She had been, this is the connection between me and the young lady that I was having dinner with. She had been in kindergarten, I believe, whenever I 
graduated.Christian school back in 1984. Mm-hmm. And so three months later,、um, Cynthia, I was online and I answered an ad,、uh, personal, however you want to call it, for one of the online websites for my wife. Three months after this young lady had said, When I find somebody, she'll be more than, all, all, more than you can ever ask for a thing, which I believe is Ephesians 3 But, and Darlene has been.、Mm-hmm. She took. We met in March. We were engaged, I believe, in April, and we married in July. And we have been together for 13 years. What are, are you saying? This is like an online dating? We, my Darlene and I met on, in an online dating app.、Oh. We lived an hour apart. And so, but my friend had been right. Darlene is more than I could have ever asked or imagined. Um, that book you were holding up before we started, the book comes from. I had written a book in 2004,、mm-hmm. and there were some issues with the publisher. And so I can't do that book anymore. But Darlene saw that I wanted to write it in. And Faith on Every Corner, the publishers over there said, Mike, we're going to help you write a book. And I talked to Darlene. She said, Mike, you need to write another book. I said, Babe, I said, I don't want to write another book. And she said, No, you need to write another book. And so that's where that book you held up came from. Is my wife said, No, babe, I believe in you. You need to write another book. And so my wife helped me with the book. My daughter helped me with photos of the book. Even my grandson, and it's all in the book, but my grandson even has a photo that's in the book. So that's where. That bubble you talked about, that journey you talked about,、um, that's been the last、um, kind of, not pit stop, but the last、um, thing that we've done on this journey that my wife and I have been on for the last 13 years is in putting that book together so that we can encourage people that, like you said, This journey is not my home. It's not our home. It's not your home, Cynthia. It's not your listeners' home.、Um, the question is for your listeners is when they do arrive at that final home, is it going to be in heaven or is it going to be in hell? Oh, my, Mike. It was a, a very huh, touching story. And I'm I'm truly grateful because you mentioned this is your first time to share your story. And、uh, it is. I'm grateful. And、uh, I'm, I know with this story, a lot of people will have the opportunity to make that shift and see what is really God's plan for us now. It's just a matter of、so. us opening our hearts.、Uh, to, Let God be to enter us and us also to enter in His heart. Oh, what a wonderful story! And now, through your, your, your books and your, I'm sure your poems would also reflect what you have gone through in life. Yes, ma'am. Ah,、uh, wow. So, what is the biggest lesson or lessons you've learned from this journey? 
the the biggest one is the hardest one is that we can't do this on our own like i said when when i was down in san antonio the last thing i wanted to do is to knock on another church door and i know that you have listeners from very personal experiences cynthia i know that you have listeners that have been hurt by the church and I probably didn't go to that church. Maybe I did. Maybe somehow the Lord is bringing people that went to the same church that I went to. And I just want to say I'm sorry on behalf of the church. You know, there's there's an old adage that in the church we shoot our wounded. And that's not what we should be doing. You know, there's a balance between being the wolf church of today and being the church of the of that first century where we're meeting each other's needs. But nowhere in the Bible does it ever say, walk the narrow, that narrow path that Jesus talked about alone. When Jesus had 12 disciples, he sent them out two by two. You know, if you think about it, right? Um, I'm a big dumb redneck. And what that is, according to George or Jeff Foxworthy, is I'm gloriously unsophisticated. I'm very simple. Jesus sent the, the disciples out two by two, Cynthia, mm-hmm. right? Matthew and, Matthew and, say, Peter or James and John. However you want to break those 12 up into twos, he sent them out two by two. Jesus could have done twice the work if he just sent them out one by one. Mm-hmm. But he chose not to. He sent them out two by two. Ecclesiastes talks about if one goes out walking and one falls down, who's going to pick them up? And in that same passage, it says, if two go out, somebody can pick the other person up. But if there's three of y'all, that three-stranded cord is hard to be broken. You know, I talked about not having those emotions. It was very easy at times to be a loner. And I will be honest with you. It is very easy even now to feel like, you know what? I have my wife. She's a great support. I can do this Christian thing alone sometimes. And then the Lord says, really? Are we going to do this again? I'm like, okay, okay, we're not going to do this alone. But that's that's the lesson that I've had to learn is we're not here to do it alone. We're not, none of us. You know, I think of like a Billy Graham. Billy Graham preached the sermons but if you look at his, um, and I encourage y'all to do it, um, look at his crusades. Billy's up at the pulpit preaching, but very rarely is that platform that he's on. It's he's never alone on that platform. There's always his always his musician, and at the end, there's always Billy's never down in front. You know, praying the prayer of salvation, he's always got a team that's praying for the people that come down. Billy didn't have time to go down there and pray for everybody. Billy knew it took the team. We're here. We need each other. You know, Paul talks about the body of Christ. Paul doesn't talk about the the hand of Christ or the nose of Christ. Paul talks about the body. And that's that's the the lesson that I've learned is I can't do it without you, Cynthia. I so appreciate you taking a chance on this unknown clown from Arizona and saying, come on my show, Mike, and 
and shared your story. Um, so that's that's a lesson learned is we need each other. Exactly. And you know what? Even in my, um, when I was doing what I'm doing right now, being a life coach, I, I've learned that I won't be able to do this without an accountability partner. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, before I would always tell myself, oh my, uh, I would rather not do this because I'm afraid that I'll be judged. I'm afraid that I'll be laughed at and so on. But when you have your partner with you, it gives you so much, uh, uh, especially those who believe in you, those who are aligning with your core values, with your dream, go for it. And it's not a weakness to ask for help. It's not a weakness. We... uh, or else you'll you'll be stuck in that. When I shared my story with you, I I told myself, oh, my life is uh, is not really going down. But when I saw my children that they still needed me, I know God has a plan. Yes. Never did I imagine, Mike, that I'll be a life coach. I'll be a published author, I'll be a podcaster, and I'll be a speaker, an international speaker. It is because of God. It is because of God. And I've been praying, trying to ask for his uh, discernment, asking for discernment. Lord, what is really your plan for me? And when I end up, me the purpose of this podcast is really to share your story so that others may be enlightened. Other people are just waiting for our stories to give them hope, to give them that light. And what we need to do is tell them that, hey, there's truly light at the end of the tunnel. It's all God's plan for us. Never did I imagine to be here with you as well. But I'm truly grateful that we've met through Me too. Mark. <laughs> yes. Mark. <laughs> See, God is is there. There's always a reason. I only interviewed Mark and then he introduced me to you and to Richard. That's why I made a mistake of me when I messed up with you and Richard. But the three of you made so much impact because you focused on God's love. And that's it's... when during the time when I was down, when I stopped as, uh, engaging with other people, even common friends blocked me off. But it was only God who gave me that strength and uh, hope to pursue there's a there's another young lady that i've come in contact with named perry i i believe she pronounces herself her name her last name wiseman um i'll send you something after we're off the air but you should look into connecting with her she has a phenomenal story of uh adoption for she was adopted as a young lady um People that follow me on Facebook have probably seen a couple of things, but you should have her on your podcast. She has a great story. 
Yeah. Um, please share the uh share me her email or contact details because we'll do. Yes, because this is the reason I think why God wanted me to do this is because I want our story needs to be heard. Me, our stories need to be heard because there are a lot of people are who are still struggling. What a life story. And Mike, I know I was about to ask you, how do you remain in power and continue what you do? And I know there's only one answer. There, There is only one answer. Is the more that I stay focused on the Lord and the more I stay in his word, you know, I read through the Bible a lot that first year, 1987 and into 1988. But, you know, there's a verse that says that his word is alive and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. And it is amazing, Cynthia, how I can have read something multiple times and I will read it even today and I'll be like, wait, what? I know I read that before. That wasn't in there before, kind of. And I know it was. It's just that because of whatever situation I was in previously, it didn't click. And now because of where I'm at in life, it clicks. There's a lot happening over in Israel right now. Yeah. Um, it's amazing. I wrote the book, you know, a few months, several months, I suppose, before all this stuff happened in Israel. And so now I've been rereading Revelation, Ezekiel, Daniel, um, and some of the other minor prophets. And I'm like, okay, it's getting closer. He's about ready to blow a horn and take, take Christians out of here. But all that being said, to answer your question, the only reason I can do any of it is, is staying connected to him. You know, I need humans to, to encourage me. But if if I don't stay connected to the Lord, I don't have anything to offer anybody else, whether that's my wife or my daughter or my son or my grandchildren or anybody else. I, I just don't have anything to offer anybody if, if I'm not connected to the Lord. Yes, I agree. Now, have you um, experienced or have you discovered someone whom you have helped? How did how was he able to survive because of you? Oh wow! Your story. I'm sure you were able to impact a lot of people, Mike. <sighs> was there? I don't know someone... how to answer that. Yeah, I I understand the question. I'm just not quite sure. No, how have you helped survivors? Those who are stuck when uh, you experience that situation wherein you were down, down, down. Was I there think, a point in time wherein you were there being a partner to someone? Then uh, a lot of changes uh, happened in his life or her life. I know my best friend went through a lot of struggles after we went through the Christian school. He was a couple of years younger than I am. And we just stayed connected. Um, he is probably the smartest person I know. But he went through a lot of struggles for a while, Cynthia. 
And so we have been not necessarily like we're apostles or anything. And it's probably not even, I was going to say Paul and Barnabas, but that's not it. It's more like David and Jonathan. Mm-hmm. The love that, that he and I have um, for each other is outside of my wife. There's nobody that I love more, but we've known each other for 40 flipping years. And so he helps me and I help him. And so whenever we need something, we reach out, we make a phone call or whatever. And, you know, I used to make the joke that used to annoy my mom. I said, well, you know, mom, I said, he's kept me as close to jail as I've kept him out of jail. <laughs> but on the on the much more positive side, he's kept me as close to the Lord as I've kept him to the Lord. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't dare mention his name. Otherwise, I'll have to hunt me down me and then that'll be the end of my ministry so we're not going to mention his name he knows who he is he knows who he is and there are people that know both of us well i know he's talking about but uh, i won't mention his name yeah but uh that's the one that comes to mind and see i I was just trying to um lead this to something wherein you don't have to be to do extraordinary work to help other people just be yourself and be kind. Share that love. Share that compassion. And uh, be a friend. It's so simple. It's just a matter of being there for someone. Lending your listening, your ear. Listen to their problems and see how you'll be able to help. You don't have to... And- to do extraordinary work to help someone. It's just being very helpful and showing compassion and kindness. That's all what we need. And that's God's love for us, how he showed his love for us. I think that we were losing a lot of that in today's society. Exactly. Yes. Because all of us are focused on ourselves, ourselves, ourselves. Focus on our ego, ego, and uh, that's what I'm. I I would like to share to the listeners. That's how you break relationships when you focus on pride, when you focus on ego. We should be connecting. That's how we form that that relationship that we need. Build deeper and meaningful relationship being I can just be the person you are showing love and compassion that's all just like my vision is very simple Mike it is to spread sunshine and happiness to all so that this will create a ripple effect not Mm. very grand but all of us can do those things. To do this thing, spread right. sunshine and happiness to all. Just a mere smile can do wonders to a person who is very dumb. It's free, but it will make a lasting impact to that person. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yes. So um now you've been um, writing your books and then what would be your next goal for the next 12 months Mike 
<sighs> well, we were supposed to have been in Israel mm. last last month. To help my wife and I. No, we were just Israel. going over there. Yeah, it was, it was supposed to have been our first trip to Israel. Ah. And then things happened. Uh-huh. And so out of that, my my friends uh, at Faith on Every Corner wanted me to turn that into a third book. And so that has changed a little bit. So part of me wants to do a third book somehow, some way. But more than anything, Cynthia, um, I just want to tell as many people about Jesus as I can. Like I said, I think we're, I think we're closer than ever um, to going to heaven. Um, and if we're not, you know, if it's not this year, if it's twenty twenty five or whatever, you know, Paul talks. I believe it's Paul talks about expecting his return. So whether it's twenty four or twenty five. Until he does come back, I just want to share his love. I want to share Jesus' love with as many people as I can that don't know him. And for those that do, I want to encourage them to do that as well. Because that's why we were left here. If if all our job was was to find Jesus and, and be taken out, then he would have done it a long time ago. But you talk about you know sharing, sharing love and, and whatnot. I, and I think that's the right thing to do, but with the ultimate aim being, as you share that love, let people know the only reason that any of us can share love is because we've met the author of love, and that's Jesus. Yes, I agree with you. It was during my downfall, or my, my dark bubble, when I really had a close relationship with God. Most of the time, we learn our lessons where we were flat on the floor, uh, on the ground, right? When we fall flat on the ground. And good that we made that shift because it was God who really encouraged us. Hey, use that problem, the problem you've gone through to help other people. Mm-hmm. And you know what? I've I've heard someone asked, what is your goal in life? Most of the time when we we all when we ask this to other people, their goal in life is to have um to have a big house, a car, and so on. But when uh he mentioned our goal in life is to live in heaven here on earth. Bring that heaven here on earth so that because like in the Our Father, let thy will be done. And um, focusing on the, the, the heaven that could be uh, seen here on earth. And who can do that? It is us. Let us be that heaven to the people we interact with. So mm-hmm. before we leave, we are already experiencing heaven here on earth, which I agree. Mm. And I, 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 it got it stuck in my head, and we should be the case. That's our goal. While we're still alive, 
let heaven, let us create that heaven here on earth by sharing God's love to other people mm. and showing that love, God's love, uh, us really showing that love to other people, making us the in his instrument. Mm -hmm. We are just chosen by God to be his instrument, right? To fulfill his yes. mission, his plan for us. And uh, I'm I'm truly grateful that uh, it's just a matter of us turning to God instead of staying away. Correct. Oh my! So I know you have given us so many advices, but one simple advice before we leave or we end this uh, interview. <sighs> I hear people say that God doesn't speak to them. As somebody that's come out of a church that in some respects meant very well, read the Bible for yourself. Don't follow man. Read the Bible and follow Christ. That's it. Read the Bible, follow Christ. That's as simple as I can make it, Cynthia. Yes. Yes. And then what do you think would be the major roadblock for you to write your third book? Oh, boy. Um, the major roadblock for me to write my third book. Well, I've self-published two, so... It's always a little bit intimidating to try and self-publish a book mm -hmm. because you have to deal with the marketing and stuff. So just trying to find a way to market a third book when you're not sure how the first when you're well, the first one's gone, but when you're not sure how the second one's going. It's just being, you know, having that determination to to write a third book when you're not sure you should have written the second one in the first place. <laughs> Again, it boils down to us, right? <laughs> right. It is us who's stopping us from moving forward. That's Generally, yes. That fear. Being intimidated, being uh, doubtful because of will I be will I be successful? Will I fail? What would other people would say? Right. And, right. I'm glad that um, God is there because he will push us. And as what you mentioned, you need a partner who believes in you that would push you to your limit so you'll see your potential. And that's I, that's that's why it's a big help to have an, an accountability partner. Mm. Mm -hmm. So... Um, if, uh, would you like to share how they will connect with you? I think I've uh, I've mentioned yeah. your, oh, I'm email, sorry. You, your email address. Well, you can connect with me on Facebook. I have a, a public Facebook. I think it's just Mike Buchanan on Facebook. There's a photo of me and my wife. Mm -hmm. um, you can connect with me through the books email at feelingdownlookup at gmail.com. Um, and then I'm also on Instagram at, I believe it's my 66 Buchanan Instagram. 
I am not um a technological person. My uh daughter before we came on literally was saying, Hey, we need to try and put you some kind of website for your book. So if anything like that happens, I'll put that up on on Facebook and stuff. But um, I would say Facebook. Look for a photo of me and my wife. Um, do you also have an account? Email. On, do you also have an account on LinkedIn? I don't use LinkedIn. Ah, okay. Because I really I, don't. I will post this on on different platforms. So Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn. And even okay. TikTok. Well, I appreciate, I appreciate that. <laughs> I have someone that says more... I should be on TikTok, and I'm like, uh... no. The, have you seen my my uh, interview with Mark? It's... I did. That's uh huh. That's what I'm going to do. But I will also share the the audio, the link to the audio, plus the video in YouTube. Okay. So, we will be seen also like this on YouTube. As All right. Well, possible, I look forward I, to it. As much as possible, I want to spread it out. Mm -hmm. and I then, appreciate it. And then you share it as well. Okay? I will. Yes, ma'am. And then uh, I would love a copy of your book whenever it's out. Sure. I will send you one. Uh, All right. Okay. Thank you so much, Mike. And it was uh, a pleasure chatting with you learning from you and now inspiring other people about thank you Cynthia God's... for the opportunity okay thank you and to our listeners to till our next episode have a blessed day to all bye bye bye, bye.